Welcome online. So here at Mission Vineyard, our mission statement is that we welcome Jesus into all of life. So thank you for coming this Sunday morning as part of um, the way we do that. Hopefully this can help stretch you throughout the week. We do have some wonderful announcements that talk about other things that can help you out through the week. If you wouldn't mind, um, usually we stand during worship, but honestly, it's up to you. And however you worship, we're going to uh, ask the Holy Spirit just to um, indwell in our praises. So, Holy Spirit, come. We ask for your presence this morning. May you fill our praises. May we be a mirror that reflects your glory back to you this morning. May everything that tried to distract us be put on the back burner. May our eyes be totally fixed on you as we learn about resting in your presence and enjoying your presence. May we just have more of that very potently this morning. May you meet everyone online and here in person that they would not be able to leave without a little bit of God change in their lives. We thank you so much for just wonderful times of fellowship and this time to be together. In your name, amen. Amen. So this morning, um, as we go through our set, we're just going to be remembering what Christ has done for us and how that leads us to the hope that his promises are true, that we have rest in him that anyone else out in the world doesn't have. We don't have to strive. He justifies. He sanctifies. He is our God. He is amazing. So would you join me in Man of Sorrows? Across. Oh, that rugged cross. Oh, that rugged cross. 
Christ in me. And where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. And holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you.
we might live with him forever. Communion is a time that we get to remember his sacrifice. As we eat the bread and drink the juice, let us remember all he has done for us. So if you would, we've got servers on either side. Um, if you would go on either side, and we've got a gluten-free cracker and juice, if you dip the cracker in the juice, and then you can go back to your seats. Thank you. And then we get to boldly say a prayer that he taught us to pray. So would you pray with me? It's up on the screen in Spanish and English. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's why we're here. That the kingdom of God exists and he's with us. And that we get to worship him and be with him. So at this time, I'm going to welcome up Arlita, my wife. You get to tell us all about what's going on with announcements and everything in the church. I get to welcome people, but I'm less excited than you are, generally speaking. (laughs) So welcome. Um, No, welcome. My name's Arlita. I'm so glad you chose to worship with us this morning. Um, Whether you are as excited as John or as laid back as I am, um, we're glad you're here, whether you're worshiping in person or online. If you are new today, uh, welcome. We uh, hope you feel welcome, that you've been greeted by people warmly. Uh, We have a welcome bag that just has some basic information about our church. Um, We are a vineyard church and some information about that. And also something in there called a mana bag. It's just a practical way for you to meet the needs of people you encounter as you drive about the city. Uh, we also have extra mana bags in the back if you want to, um, if you're a regular attender and you want to have one of those in your car. Um, we're currently running low on stock, but we'll have more next week. So just so you know, those are back there. Um, I often don't carry cash with me, and then I, I still want to kind of care for people, but the mana bag is a great uh, way to do that um, in, a, in a practical way. Uh, there are some socks and water and granola bars in there. A couple of quick announcements. Uh, one thing is that within that welcome bag and on our back table, we have something called a Connect card. Uh, and if you have moved and you want to give us your new information or if you're new and you want to give us some of your information, we will add you to our weekly newsletter that comes out and it shares all the announcements of what's going on in the church. So you can like totally tune me out. Or I might have a special announcement that is not included in the weekly newsletter because I forgot to include it. So that would be like including in three weeks is Easter. Like this is springtime, guys, and everything is coming. New growth, new life, everything is happening. And that includes Easter. So three weeks from today, we'll have an Easter service here. You have all these little cute little things on your chairs. Um, If you don't, grab the one next to you. Um, And John's going to go into more detail about that during his sermon. But um, there's a little Easter flyer here. Um, that you can, a mailer is actually going out to a couple of neighborhood zip codes, but if you want to, like the extras they sent to us, and so you can just add your own little postage stamp there and send it to a friend or a family member, or you can just write a little note on that part and put it in someone's mailbox or hand it to them at work. But Easter is coming, and with that new life, and um, we're doing this series called Alpha um, on Wednesday nights, and that's coming to a close. There are going to be opportunities where people may want to be baptized. And so the week after Easter, we are going to have baptisms here out in that patio. Um, and so if you or you know somebody who's never been baptized and wants to be baptized, um, please let me know. Um, I'm always in the back table at the end of the service. Um, but we want to celebrate with uh, people as they make this decision to follow Jesus or recommit their life to following Jesus. And we have a little bit of information about that that we'd like to review before baptism. Um, and sometimes we also have spontaneous baptisms because sometimes the Lord moves that way. But if you are thinking about it and curious about it, we are planning on doing that April 24th. Um, Lastly, giving. Um, God doesn't need your money. Mission Vineyard doesn't need your money. However, we often are invited to partner with what God is doing um, through the church, including making the manna bags, including serving the homeless, um, renting space like this. So if you feel compelled to give, we have these baskets, one on the back media table and one on the back table there that you can put something physical in, or you can go to giving.missionvineyard.org and uh, give online, which most people do these days. But those opportunities are available as well. Speak really quickly. And you may get annoyed at my Italian vamp at some point. That was supposed to be a joke. See, you're already done. 
Sabbath teaches us that God is enough so we can be enough. Sabbath is that seventh day that God ordains, and we're going to be looking at a video in just a moment that really articulates it well. But the seventh day reminds us, the seventh day rest reminds us of the future rest that God has planned. We don't just live in uh, a couple of years on earth and then we die. There's an eternal life that God has planned. And if we don't Sabbath, we're not going to be able to enter that rest. We practice Sabbath now so that we can enjoy his presence now so that we can prepare for the rest that he has for us in the future. There's one scripture I want to read, and then I'll pray, and I want to show you this video. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. So that's what today is all about, that Sabbath rest entering into what God has already done and what he's going to do. So let's watch this video and find out more about what Sabbath can look like. The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power, and they forfeit that rest. They're exiled into the wilderness, where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But how? They're in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who's grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and he liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost, life is a struggle, they're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. 
That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then, every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest, called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance to rest in the Promised Land. They're exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day, and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come, but generations go by, and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears, and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day. Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah, saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Also, Jesus is claiming that seventh-day rest would come through him. Right, he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath, and he confronted disorder and darkness in all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath, and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness, where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him, or in his words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is what Sabbath is all about. In the midst of everything that's going on, God entering in and us welcoming him into all of life, So no matter what's going on, he fills us with his own rest. You may be thinking of Ukraine right now. And if you're not, now you are. And I want us to for just a little bit. Because I know there's at least three vineyard churches in Ukraine that are worshiping this morning or already have. What right do they have in the midst of war and their city being torn apart to Sabbath? Shouldn't they be working hard to do the recovery work? What about those that are in China? You know the church is growing faster in China than it is in the United States? Next year, or maybe this year actually, the church in China will be even bigger than here. Under complete oppression, what right do they have to Sabbath and rest? You would think that it would be too overwhelming. But no, God says, in the midst of everything that's going on, I want you to pause and receive my eternal dwelling. So Arlita, would you come up for just a moment? Because I think you're probably more entertaining than I am. Not this competitive. (laughs) 
for us in our life, we've really been thinking about Sabbath over the last year, especially, and thinking, what does it mean for us to enter into this rest in practical ways? And it's been a little tough. I mean, Sabbath has always been significant and serious to me because uh, I can sometimes get the feeling like I need to carry everything. You are a notorious doer. I'm a notorious doer. Thank you. I just you. came up with it. Right? Yeah, good job. Yeah. <laughs> so Sabbath for me has been that place where I go, all right, God, I'm not doing it today. You're going to have to. And or, so, or like you, when we first planted the church, you would re, like consciously say out loud, God, you are the one who like makes the earth spin, not me. So I need to stop. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody need to hear that today? That God's the one that makes the earth spin, not you? So for a while, I would just not do anything. <laughs> you might see me in a dark room watching movies all day. I did that a couple of times. But we realized like that wasn't exactly what this video was talking about. That's mm -hmm. not exactly the hope of what Sabbath could be. So we started to rethink about what that could look like. Mm -hmm. Do you remember those conversations? Well, I think some of it is that in, I think, the Western church, we're starting to return to some of the older traditions. So a lot of uh, contemporary Christian authors and podcasters and everything are discussing some of these uh, spiritual practices. Um, Pete Scazzaro, who wrote the Emotionally Healthy, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and then a couple of other iterations after that, he talks a lot about Sabbath. Um, and uh, other uh, pastors like John Mark Homer, uh, Jefferson Besky, they all kind of are returning to this place of Sabbath. And it's not necessarily on the seventh day, but finding uh, opportunities within our week to pause and, and celebrate um, yeah. life. That's the other side of it I think we often forget. There's some part of Sabbath that God wants us to actually enjoy who he is. It's not about just stopping doing all the things. Who is God and what is the transformation that he's done in your life? Is it big enough that we might be able to pause and go, oh, wait, what does it look like to celebrate all he's done or all of who he is? Or even, I was looking back through some notes. Um, I heard Pete Scazzaro's talk at a conference a couple of years ago and mentioning Sabbath. Um, he kind of mentioned uh, being known and known for uh, who you are more than what you do. Yeah. And I think that's a kind of a motto we say a lot here at Mission Vineyard. Um, but it's, it's, it may be an institutional thing, but it's also a personal thing that if I don't think I have worth or value outside of what I do, then that's how I show up in relationships in my family or in the church or my work. Um, and that can be harmful. So I might think the church only likes me for what I do, but in actuality, that's how I'm presenting myself, that my worth and value is only in what I do. And that's how being people get to interact with me because I don't offer just me, like who I am in relationship. We saw in the video what happens when we enter into a place of subjugation, where we become enslaved, where uh, our surroundings are places of real turmoil. And really, the only worth that we have is because of what we do. That's what slavery is, right? Our worth is literally derived from our subservience to somebody else. So it's easy if we're living in that, if we grow up and we think, man, I've got to get a job, that's all that I'm worth, I need to do this, then all of a sudden we start viewing ourselves, but then we start viewing other people where their worth is only for what they do for me. Sabbath is that place where we reflect again and we go, wait a second, God loves me just for who I am, so that, that way I get to love other people just for who they are too, not because of what they do for me. So we restructured Sabbath. Instead of just going, all right, we're not doing anything today, it became a lot about refocusing on doing some great things. Or 
just being intentional with our time um, and uh, what does it look like to, uh, well, we both are work for Mission Vineyard and so it gets very easy like uh, to just keep working. <laughs> Um, there's always more to do, people to serve, people to love, phone calls to make, and it's a great reminder um, for ourselves and for our children that we pause and celebrate together, um, and that doesn't always, it's not always extravagant. Um, sometimes it's going to the park and flying a kite. Um, sometimes it's a little more extravagant, um, but like getting uh, to go food <laughs> for dinner instead of making it, um, stuff like that, but just kind of being intentional with our time together. Uh, for one day. Yeah, enjoying God's creation, enjoying what he's done, somehow celebrating, God, what is it that you've given me? And just pausing. So the prayers around our table are special during Sabbath. They're, they're not as quick. They're not as, thank you, Jesus, for this food. Let's go. Uh, we try to engage just a little bit, welcoming the Holy Spirit and going, oh, God, what are you up to? What have you done for us? What can we be really thankful for? And then like, doing really fun things and doing really good things and enjoying really good food or really good people or taking really good time with one another that we normally wouldn't pause to do. So I have conversations with my daughter I would never have during the week because there's an intentional time where I'm celebrating who she is. It's not just stepping away and going, Sabbath, I deserve this. It's God has placed so much good in front of me. How do I enter into the blessing of what he's doing? So entering into that blessing is then part of how we look and expect for him to move in the rest of our lives and in the future as well. He's coming to completely rule and reign and to put evil to bed. So every time we celebrate Sabbath, it's also a celebration that he's coming back. I get to rest in him now because one day I'm going to get to rest with him forever. So, thanks, Arlia. God thinks this is very, very serious. Exodus 31, verse 12. There's a significant verse here. I want you to hear it. The Lord said to Moses, you're to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all. Look at this. Above all. You shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. And watch this that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You don't sanctify yourself. You don't make worth out of yourself. You can't prove yourself. Your identity in the world is not based on what you do. Make Sabbath the place where you remember, I, God, am the one that names you who you are, and nobody can take that from you. And watch how serious he thinks it is. You shall keep the Sabbath because it's holy for you. Everyone who profanes it, look at this, shall be put to death. I think any time that God through the prophet says, make sure that that person gets put to death, we need to pay attention just a little bit. God thinks this is important. Now, I'm so thankful, and we saw through the video, that through Jesus, Jesus, takes that death for us. So nobody's going to die today if we're not going to church or celebrating the Sabbath correctly or whatever. It's not what we're talking about. But we do need to remember the significance of what God thinks Sabbath is. He's so, so impressed that we shouldn't be carried away by how good we can do things or what our worth is in our work that he says, you need to stop 
and just take one day, just take one day to remember that I'm the one that turns the world. Take one day and remember I'm the one who takes care of you. Take one day and remember that your identity doesn't come from what you can do for others or what you can do for me. It comes from what I have done for you and what I'm going to do for you. As God's people, we're set apart. We're set apart. That's what that word holy means. That's what that sanctify thing means. You saw the story of Adam and Eve and the people of Israel, and now us through Jesus. We have significant calling. Do you know that you have calling on your life? It's not just about your job. In your job, you have significant calling. If you're retired, you have significant calling. If you're a youth, you have significant calling. It has to do with you. So let me share with you just three ways that that calling is fleshed out in everything we are. First, that we're God's image bearers. We bear God's image. That's part of our calling. So enjoying the Sabbath is a reflection that we know that we have calling. We get to rest because we know that the rest of our week, we are bearing God's image. That we don't stop bearing God's image on the Sabbath. But the work of that calling through the week is full. Some of the other work in our calling is restoring God's image. As we look around society, and a friend of mine just decided to jump on a plane and go to Ukraine the other day. Just decided to go. Because the burden for him in restoring God's creation and God's image in the world was so full and so strong, he just decided to go. You teachers, or maybe you've been teachers, you understand that there's significant loss in the schools over the last two years especially where kids have completely lost their identity and they struggle to find out am I worth anything at all there's still another grade that I have to get and then teachers I'm sure it's been a struggle as well are my kids gonna am I gonna fulfill everything that the district wants me to do what does it mean to come back to how God sees us so that as we engage in our work it's not about just fulfilling the everyday stuff, but we get to refocus on our calling, which is in restoring God's image in the world. Finally, the third part of our calling I see is in flourishing in our creativity and good work, and I think that is a huge part of Sabbath. There's a beautiful part that we get to take in the seventh day of rest in thinking about and wondering and sitting in and seeping in the goodness and the creativity of God. Uh, for a while, I had this old 1984 Mercedes wagon. And on Sabbath days, I would dedicate at least an hour of just laying underneath the thing and being creative. Now, you might think, not think that's creative. You might just think that's messy and arduous. And for me, it was good and creative work that I could get my hands on. This was part of me enjoying God's good creation. It doesn't make sense to you. That's fine. But my hands getting so black with grease was part of enjoying, was part of Sabbath for me. Now, on the other side, we can become too religious with Sabbath, and this is what happened in Luke chapter 13. The religious leaders were so hyped up with Sabbath that when Jesus went to do some amazing things for people, they cursed him out. Look at this, Luke chapter 13. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, 
And behold, there was a woman who had, uh, who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over, couldn't fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. Tell me that's not part of God's creative work. Tell me that's not part of the fulfillment of what God wants to do. Of course it is. And so Jesus is all about it. Jesus is freeing somebody of their identity. And so he says, you are freed. He laid hands on her. And immediately she was made straight. And she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, hey, six days around here. You could have come then. What's your problem? They're also mafiosos. I didn't know if you knew that. <laughs> There's six days in which you can work. Work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed. Not on the Sabbath day, all right? And then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? You're kinder to your animals than you are to humans that need restoration. Don't you remember your calling to bear God's image in front of people and to restore God's image? Don't you remember that this is what I'm all about? Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all of his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. Sabbath reminds us that we were meant to be set free. All day, all week, we work and we work hard. I know how hard you all work. Sabbath reminds us that that's not all that your identity is. No matter what's happened during the week, God says, I am here and I am setting you free. So let me. In a couple of weeks will be Easter and part of Holy Week is a, a, a night called Maundy Thursday. Maundy Thursday is this reenactment often of washing of feet and nobody likes to do that in this church and so we don't because it's weird. And yet, it's one of the most powerful things I've ever done or I've ever been a part of. And every time I get lost in my own identity of feeling like I'm just a worker, I'm just worth whatever people approve of me or whatever, God asks me a really powerful question. Actually, it's less of a question and more of a statement. He says, John, you know, it's been a while since you let me wash your feet. Every Sabbath, we rest because we realize that we are much more than we can make in the world. We are much more than we can do. God is at work. God is at work. He's at work now, and he's at work reclaiming his creation for the fulfillment of putting sin and evil to bed forever. God's kingdom is at hand, but God's kingdom is coming in its fulfillment. We're waiting for the final rest. We're waiting to enter into that final rest. And we practice Sabbath. Sabbath is enjoying the future fullness 
of God's presence now. We're doing it now because we anticipate that that's who he is, that that's what he's up to. And it helps us remember that every time that we're in our week doing the hard things of our lives, that actually God is going to save us all. His power is big enough to save us. We stop in Sabbath because we remember what he's done for us already, too. One practice that I love speaking to, and it's, it's one of the reasons why we've given you so much on Easter. Easter is just one of those times in our calendar, we don't know why, where we celebrate Jesus and his resurrection and the complete change of creation as we know it. Never before Easter has a man died and risen from the dead. Never before Easter do we know of any man born that is still alive today in a completely new created body. This is huge. And this is what Christianity actually believes. Jesus is alive in a redeemed body. It's amazing. Now, he's already done some of that in me. So I've told this story, and I'll say it again. Especially when I was 14, it was a very, very hard time for me. And God spoke directly to me in the midst of a very difficult struggle. And he said, John, I'm all you need to know. And because he spoke to me, he entered in, and I welcomed him. Jesus, I welcome you into all of it. He entered in and began to change my life. And my circumstances didn't change, but I was changed. That's part of the anticipation of Easter. We believe that the transformation that he does in us now is the foretaste of what he's going to do in the future. We love Easter. We love celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so you may not have that transformation story. You may not have sat and gone, God, what have you actually done for me? Is what he's done in your life worth stopping and resting for? Is what he's done in your life worth celebrating? This is, I think, is one of the first steps we can take and allowing the Holy Spirit to restore our identity. Can we remember the work that Jesus has done? Not that we've done on our own, but that he's done for us. This Why Easter booklet articulates a lot of that. Why do we need him? What has he done? How do we enter into it? This is for you. You might think, oh, I need to give this to a friend. No, we need to remember that he's done it. He's already done it, and that gives us pause and excitement to rest and rest well on the Sabbath to go, oh God, I remember you actually were the one. I should stop and I should let you do it again today. And again, this invitation that our leader spoke about. Is he worthy of this? Is he worthy of stopping and celebrating for all he's done? Does the transformation story of who God has made you to be justify Resting in him. The museum thinks so, I guess. This assignment of calling, bearing God's image, looking to restore God's image in the world, it's too big for us. And the good work and creativity that God wants for our lives is not just done in our own strength, it's done in the strength of God. Do we desire to glorify God with our whole lives with that creative good work? 
I do. That's why Sabbath. That's why I celebrate with all of you. That's why on Sundays we stop and we glorify him with beautiful songs and scripture and remembering the table of the Lord and the Eucharist and communion. But I want to encourage you, not three ways, but four ways. I said three ways and there are four things listed. You're welcome. (laughs) Four ways to enjoy the Sabbath. Stop all work. And I would encourage another thing. For some people, Sunday's that day to get all your grocery shopping done. If, you know, we give, we do financial giving in the church because God's told us to. But part of that work is remembering that uh, we're not made to be consumers. We're made to be generous givers. So if there's a struggle for you where there's some part of you that has been caught up in commercialism or materialism, especially I would encourage you, to not shop on the Sabbath. Sometimes we get caught up in thinking, I need to buy, I need to buy, I need to buy, and that becomes part of our image, and it can curse us. So stop all work, but for some of you, that may also mean stop all shopping too. Stop being part of the system that's been corrupting you. Number two, rest, physically and emotionally. Sabbath, it may be very easy to think, oh, no, finally I get to get some things done. And God's going, would you remember that you were made from dust and to dust you'll return? Would you pause with me for just a moment and let your mind and your heart and your soul come to rest? It's why so often in our service, we just pause. Rest physically and emotionally. For some of you, that may mean calling a really good friend and just having a great conversation. For some of you, that may mean going and making a friend because you don't have any. It's critical that we have places in our life where our identity can be restored by people who can reflect back to us and say, no, you're not who you made. You're not who you can make. God made you. You belong to him. That's your identity. Rest physically and emotionally. Maybe even calling a good friend. Delight in everything that God has done in your life. Enjoy the good things. So what does that mean? Man, have some ice cream. Have some good pasta. Make a good meal. Go on a bike ride. Enjoy God's creation. Sit in a deer blind. I have a friend here, I'm not going to point him out, that like finds God the most in a deer blind because all day he's just enjoying God's creation and the silence of being with him. Delight in everything God has done for your life. Enjoy the good things. And number four, draw really close to God. Draw really close. Go after him. He loves you so much. God, I ask that somehow that you would bring us back to Sabbath, that you would bring us back to this holy rest that reminds us that you are at work, you've always been, and you're not done yet, and we get to rest in you. Holy Spirit, come and restore us right now. And I'm just going to wait in silence for a moment.
Lord, thank you for speaking to us in this time, for continuing to restore who we are, for giving us rest. There was a team uh, praying for you before the service. And as they prayed, they were asking Jesus, Jesus, is there someone that you'd like to heal today? Is there someone that you'd like to speak to today? And at the end of the service or through this next song that's going to be played, there's going to be a team over this corner to receive anybody who needs any emotional, physical, or spiritual prayer. Any need that you have, we want to pray for you. But specifically, as they were just asking Jesus, Jesus, who do you want to reach out to today? They had a few impressions, and when they have those impressions, we'd like to list them for folks. This isn't magic. This isn't anything like that. It's just, God, who do you want to pray for? And we put these words up so that folks may pay attention. God, are you speaking to me? Are you calling my number? So he may be calling your number. He may not be. You may not be on this list. You may still need prayer today, and so come as you need it, especially during this next song. But for those, uh, there's somebody who needs prayer for an ankle, somebody's healing for eyesight, someone who needs to hear Jesus says, I am the place where you can lay your troubles down. Someone that's been having some abdominal cramping. Someone just needs to hear, receiving prayer is a safe place, so come. I'm going to let this worship song be played and as you have, I don't know, the faith or courage, you might want to stand and worship and sing this song together. As you have the faith or courage, you might want to come and just receive prayer this morning. Either way, would you just let your heart rest in what God wants for you today? Celebrate who he is. Let him restore you as we worship.
talking about that encourages restoration and rest that's that's not a god i believe in god i believe in is a is a guy who forces me to do things as a legalist i'd love for you to take some time right now and pray and receive a god that actually wants your restoration and actually loves you so would you pray with me this prayer it's up on the screen i'm actually going to look at it to make sure i get it right lord jesus christ I am sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. And just take a moment and reflect. Just welcome him into all of it. And welcoming you, Lord Jesus, we say, please forgive me. I now turn from everything which I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That prayer is a prayer of belief. It's a prayer of relationship. It's a prayer that says, God, I do believe that you're big enough for me. And so... God's big enough for you to rest in. Sabbath is a place where your identity can be restored. And this is really what resilience means as we continue on from the last two years into a future who knows what God has for us. Would you stand and receive a blessing? I want to bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That you would go out confident to rest in God's presence. Confident that he's been at work that he's at work now, and he is at work to give you the biggest rest ever. Help us, Lord, to enter into that rest today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and remind us of who you are, that you're enough for us, God. Go out with this blessing in Jesus' name.